You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome, welcome to this glorious Sunday morning. You are here live on Pet Life Radio's only live call-in show. You're live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, we're here for you. We're here to talk about your pets, dogs or cats, or you name it, anything. Just an uh, easy way to get a hold of me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-TOLL-FREE, 385-8882. You can just join in on the conversation. You can also go online, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and right there, right there, uh, you'll see us. You'll, there's a box on that, the site that comes up, and just say on the bottom where it says, enter your name, join in on the conversation, type your message. You can go into the chat room. There are so many ways to get a hold of us. And you can also send me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And that will be forwarded to me live, real-time, as we speak, and we will get to your questions. also want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong. Great stuff for your pets, ProSense quality, very quality products that you can actually find over-the-counter in your mass chain stores like your Walmarts and your Targets and your Walgreens. Great stuff. Anyway... So, uh, hope you had a good week. Uh, you have another one coming. I, uh, you know, here in, L- in LA, we're still getting unseasonably warm weather. Not that I'm complaining. I kind of love it. But, um, you know, things are going to be changing. Uh, we're not quite ready yet to start talking about winter and winter weather and tips for your pets. But trust me, we will get there. And if there's anything you want to know specifically, especially, especially when it comes time to the holidays. And we know that's always a big subject, and we want to get a head start where, you know, it starts all with the dangers of Halloween going into the glorious, fun wonders of Thanksgiving, but potential dangers for our pets, and moving right in to the holiday, the Christmas season, Hanukkah season, New Year's, etc., all of which, though wonderful and really fun, can potentially present problems for our pets between the foods, between the people coming in out of the house, between fearful, panicked animals, between little kids' costumes, where even the sweetest dog in the world could act up. So uh, we'll talk about those things as we move closer. We also have a couple of guests planned for our show. We've had, uh, I know that Dr. Heather Lenzer is going to be joining us once again. She is now working full-time with the American Animal Hospital Association. So we'll have um, her joining us. Anyway, we want to talk about anything you want to talk about. So don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Just give us a call. 877-385-8882. That's how easy it is to get a hold of us. So a couple of things I wanted to talk about today. I like I, I log on to a lot of different sites, a lot of different pet blogs. And when I see things that are, are very interesting, I kind of want to share them with you. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about, there was a blog that, that showed up about three or four weeks ago on one of these sites I follow. It's basically here for cats. It's a cat site. And you know the reason it hit home is because I recently had a case like it. And I realized, you know, hey, I'm not the only one that will see this, of course. And there's a good chance that anyone out there with cats has probably picked up the same thing, has this problem in, or has had this problem in their cats, and that is facial swelling. 
in cats. And, um, you know, there are so many different reasons that we uh, see facial swelling. It could be an infection or what we call cellulitis. When sometimes cats will get an infection where they don't actually, the swelling doesn't fill up with a purulent type of pus discharge that oftentimes we'll see like in a cat abscess. They will get a cellulitis. Cellulitis is where the tissue itself will get very swollen, but it doesn't fill up with a pocket of anything. It's just all the tissue gets very swollen. It could be an allergic reaction. We see that a lot. A cat or a dog can can bite into a bee, for example, or eat something. People get it when they eat certain shellfish. Their whole faces will swell up. Their necks will swell up. They'll have a tough time breathing because of an acute allergic hypersensitivity reaction called anaphylaxis. And then certain toxins, acetaminophen toxicity in a cat, as you recall, and I've mentioned it a zillion times, that acetaminophen is deadly to a cat. Um, a hematoma, which is a huge blood blister. Now, certainly, we've seen hematomas on, in the ear. That's one of the more common places to see it, but we can see it anywhere. Anywhere in the body that develops a huge blood blister, if you will, can cause swelling. Cancer, of course, many different cancers, and muscle inflammation can cause it as well. So, you know, to go through the allergic reaction, as I said, could be a bee sting. We'll see it during warm weather where the insects are out. It could be a spider bite. Usually not very painful, but it's just that the whole face will swell and they'll get very itchy. So you might notice your cat pawing at the face, pawing at the swollen area, or typically you're kind of running along carpeting or against a wall and rubbing the face. We mentioned the acetaminophen, the Tylenol toxicity. Again, dogs can tolerate it. Cats cannot. And um, though we often, we will see facial swelling, nobody really knows why that happens. You know, of course, we'll see itchy feet. Typically what you see, if you've ever seen a Sharpay or a Chow Chow's tongue and you open their mouth and you see this deep blue purple tongue, that's typical, that's normal, but it's not normal for a cat. So you see a cat present that seems to be in respiratory distress, but the lungs are clear and beautiful. Respiratory distress, but the tongue is blue. We call it cyanosis, cyanotic. And one of the things that has to come to mind is acetaminophen toxicity. And it does not have to take a lot. So uh, but one of the side things we may see also, just so you're aware, is the facial swelling. As I mentioned, the hematoma, it's a large, like a bruise. It's a blood clot. We often see it in the ear. If you see it really low down at the base of the ear, it could present with swelling in the face as well. So it could be, you know, somewhat of a puzzle, but something that we'll see. There may be some pain associated with it. You might even see a bruising of the skin. If you have a a white cat or a very light-colored cat that you could part the hair, you might even see almost like a black and blue mark. And that could indicate some sort of bruising, hematoma. It could be secondary to an injury. It could be a cat that jumped off of something and just gave a big bang to its face. All of these things could cause this as well. We mentioned cancers. Cancers, oh, things like chondrosarcoma, which is a tumor of joints, if you will, and you have joints in the jaw. You can have an osteosarcoma. That's bone cancer. Lymphosarcoma, which is a tumor of the lymph area, the lymph nodes. You can get these huge swollen lymph nodes that could cause the whole bottom part of the face, the neck, the cheeks to swell up. And even fibrosarcoma, and I remember fibrosarcoma, the the sad thing about fibrosarcoma, it is a tumor that can affect very young animals. And it's a drag. It's it's so sad. I remember when I was in veterinary school, one of my first cases when I was on my oncology rotation, 
was a nine-month-old golden retriever with a huge fibrosarcoma in the face. Right here, the neck, the cheek, face area. And I mean, let's face it, you can't amputate the face. They are very aggressive. Sadly, this dog ultimately, shortly after our diagnosis, had to be put to sleep. And very sad to see a cancer affecting such a young animal, but we can see it, sadly. Hey, go to any children's hospital, talk to any pediatrician that you may know, and unfortunately, these sad things do happen to children as well. But with fibrosarcoma or any kind of facial cancer, we can see facial swelling as well. And then there are some cases where you just get severe muscle inflammation. And with a muscle inflammation, again, what we see on the outside is a facial swelling. It could be the neck, uh, it can be localized to the face. Usually we'll see it in the lower jaw uh, involving what we call the muscles of, uh, of mastication, temporal area up in the head. Also, we have what we call masticatory muscles. So all of these can cause swelling as well. It's a, an itis, I-T-I-S, itis. It, pretty much just so you know, itis at the end of almost any medical, physiologic, anatomical term, all right, means swelling. So gastroenteritis, neuritis, arthritis. So just so you know, when you hear itis, just think swelling. And myositis is a muscle swelling. So just to give you a little, when you're hearing the the doctor's lingo and you're talking about itises, that just typically means inflammation of. So anyway, now that you hopefully, if you have a cat and you see a facial swelling, definitely indication to go see your doctor because as we just went through this fairly substantial list, it could be many, many different things. Fortunately, most are transient. Most of the problems, most of these problems we discussed are somewhat treatable. Of course, with the cancers and things like that, you uh, you have a, an uphill battle, uh, may not be treatable, but most of the things are going to be resolvable and we just need to figure out which one it is and why or how it happened. So anyway, we are at our halfway point here in our very quick 30-minute show. It goes so fast. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these short words. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, 
front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Just talked about facial swelling and kind of related in a different way, but but I really wanted to talk about this because it's something that unfortunately we see, I see way too often. And if I see it, I'm sure many, many veterinarians see it and talk about something that is so easy to prevent. It's such a no-brainer. It just irritates me so when I see it. Unfortunately, I see it most in shelter situations. But here's the scenario. You get this adorable puppy, and I'm talking cute. And you go out, and you're so excited to get his first collar. And you go to the pet store, and you buy this great collar, and it's cute, and it's adorable. It's leather. It's nylon, whatever it is. And you're so proud. You get the ID tags. When time is there, you get the rabies tag, and you got your full-fledged puppy. Well, one thing that you would think is so clearly obvious to everybody, especially it should be at a shelter kennel staff, is that puppies grow. And of course, if you have a little teeny chihuahua or a teacup poodle or a little silky or a Yorkie, there's a limit to the growth. And most likely that collar that you got when they were puppies is still going to be okay as they grow and they hit their adult, maybe a little adjustment here or there. But what happens way more often than it should, and by that I mean even if it happened once, it's more often than it should, is we have these dogs come in with collars, with worse yet, training collars, also known as choke chains. And the reason why those and collars like this are so difficult and dangerous is they don't have adjustments. They are what they are. And it is a real huge problem. And I can't tell you how many animals that have been brought in where we've seen the collar literally, and I mean this, literally digging into the neck. I mean, it is it is cut almost like piano wire. It is cut right through the skin and it is cutting through. And I've even seen dogs come in with disgusting smelly infection around the neck. And no, it's not a collar. No, it's not a choke chain. You ready for this? It is a rubber band that typically one of the family's children thought it would be really, really cute to put a rubber band around the dog's neck. And of course, not something they would boast to mom and dad about. It's their own experiment, you see. And we see these animals coming in later with a rubber band that has dug into the skin, cutting 360 degrees around, and you have to go find in this necrotic, that means dying tissue, by the way, and you can only imagine, you can only imagine the stench, the smell that we see and have to deal with when we have or dealing with rotten 
rotting flesh. It's really gross, guys. And sure enough, we dig down and we see the rubber band. It's really sad. So, you know, it's one of those things that I said, it is so preventable. And I've seen many, many, many cases where over the years where these required major surgery, a lot of healing time, antibiotics, flushing, neck wraps, because it is really, it's sad and very, very uncomfortable, very painful for the pet. So bottom line, it's simple. When you have a puppy and you are a growing medium to large breed, especially, just know you have some choices. Either you're going to get that first cute collar and know that you're going to get more, or you're going to get one that is very adjustable. And depending on the size of the dog, the ultimate size of the dog, it may not be possible to get one that goes, you know, up to uh, 30 plus inches. So don't even try. You just have to go and get the uh, a small one, a picture too. But here's what I recommend. For a dog, you want to be able to fit three fingers comfortably in the collar. And if you have a growing puppy, just put on your list of things you're going to do on a regular basis as they grow is to continue to check to make sure you can get three fingers comfortably. And if you can't, then adjust the collar. And when you've gotten to the point where it can no longer adjust any larger, that's the time to go back to the pet store and get collar number two or even number three. For cats, I think, well, two things for the cats. Number one, two fingers is enough. And I really am a firm believer of a breakaway collar, especially, especially if you have an indoor-outdoor cat, because there is nothing worse, nothing worse than a cat hanging him or herself, which has happened, it does happen, it can happen, unfortunately, it will continue to happen. So the best thing you can do for your indoor-outdoor cat is get a breakaway collar, and those are, they have a, a snap with enough tension, typically just the weight of the cat, they will open up and pop off. I would rather have a lost cat getting away than a dead cat. So two fingers for a cat, breakaway collar, ID tags always, always make sure I would highly recommend, even for indoor cats. I've told the story before with my own, my magnificent Bengal cat, Zoolander. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He was taken by a severe renal disease, but he got out once. Now he was an indoor cat and all my indoor, I have six cats. At the time I had eight and they were all indoors. Never even thought about it. What do I need a collar for? They're all indoors. And when Zooey got out, he was gone for five days. And during this time, first of all, I was a wreck as he was the most magnificent cat on the planet. And I got all my cats microchipped. I got collars and ID tags for all of them. And we got very used to the sound of jingles around the house as they would walk around the house. But I felt much more secure. And especially here in L.A., dumb Jeffrey with um, earthquakes, how easy it would be for a cat to get out of a broken or open window, a screen that breaks, an open door. Who knows? They freak out. They panic. So of course, even for your indoor pets, you need to have collars and ID. So two fingers for cats, breakaway with ID, dogs, adjustable collars. You know, that's why I don't like the word choke chain. I like to call it a training collar. What does a training collar imply? It implies they only wear it during training, during their walks. That is it, folks. So when you get home or you're done or they're in for the evening or whatever, or just even in their pen outside or their yard or their run, whatever you have, it comes off. It is not meant to be a collar that stays on them. It is strictly 
for training sessions and their walks. Otherwise, get another nylon leather collar, something that's adjustable. And um, again, make sure there's identification on it as well. The worst thing you want to ever see is what we have to do and when we have to go cut, break, get wire cutters. Can you imagine having to take a huge wire cutter? I mean, I keep a wire cutter at the office. I mean, that's how sad it is. And people say, what do you, what do you have a wire cut for? I mean, are you going to use it to cut something like bad? Like in surgery, a bone? I said, no. This is when we have to cut chains that are left on dogs, especially dogs. I see it in shelters. I see it in guard dogs. So these people have these guard dogs. They get to guard like junkyards or, or auto body, whatever it is. So they have the gates closed and they bring these dogs in at night. They don't pay much attention to these dogs. And they're wearing these collars. And the next thing you know, they don't take the collars off, not because they forget or they don't want to during the day. They can't because they can't get the darn collar off the head. And well, also, just to know what happens about with swelling. We talked about facial swelling earlier in the half hour, in the hour, in the half hour, I should say. So what happens as soon as that starts to tighten a little bit, it causes a blockage of lymph flow. And so what happens is once a little swelling starts, it gets worse. It's the same problem we have when we wrap a foot or a leg, I should say, and leave the foot itself exposed. Even if you think it was wrapped loosely enough not to cut off circulation, it usually does. And then once it starts, just because of a little tightness and a little cha- effect on circulation or lymph flow, then the swelling just magnifies and now it becomes a major problem. We see the same thing with these neck collars. And if you have children, children that like to play and do funny things with the pets, make sure you have that discussion with them that we don't put rubber bands on any part of our dog or cat's body, period. And make sure they know that. And if you have that terrible two toddler or whatever uh, young kid who's very mischievous and you know who they are, make sure you check your pets regularly that uh, we don't have any problem with collars that are too tight because it is a very, very serious condition and the wounds can be extremely severe. So anyway, I want to thank you for joining us here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday. want you to have a wonderful week. And please, if you have any questions, any topics that you'd like to discuss on our show, don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Just send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. It will be forwarded to me. You can also reach me at Dr. Jeff, drjeff at drjeff.com. And uh, let's get some things you'd like to talk about. And we'll have some great, great information for you on our next show. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 